0: God has revealed himself to mankind. The scriptures tell us, and creation tells us. Creation reveals to us God's handiwork. A few moments ago we read from Psalm 19, where it reminds us that the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. God has revealed himself to us and shown himself as God deity holy his creation also reveals to us his omnipotence he spoke it into existence he didn't have to manufacture anything he didn't have to collect uh, a core of Chemicals together and mix them. He just spoke it. He spoke it into existence. Let there be light and there was light. Let there be trees and there were trees. Let there be fish and all manner of creatures in the water. And they were there. And he spoke us into existence. He created man out of the dust of the earth. God has indeed revealed himself in his creation. There isn't anywhere on earth you can go where you can't observe and know God. Shortly after creation it says in the book of Genesis that he planted a garden east of Eden. What a garden that must have been. And he planted man in the garden. And we read that God manifested Himself to Adam and to Eve as they lived in the garden. The garden became His residence. God came and resided with men. Let it go. He came and lived with us. He walked with Adam and Eve. He talked with them. He communed with them. He fellowshiped with them in the garden. The Garden of Eden became a temple. A temple, you know, houses God. A place where God resides. A place where God comes to meet with men. And where men can worship God and commune with Him. As unspectacular as this building is, it's a temple. God's here. God's presence is here. He promised it. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together, I'm there. We have more than two or three. He's here. Just like in the garden in the past. God came down and dwelt with men. And the garden of Eden became His temple. Not only did it become His temple, but it became His kingdom. As the sovereign God... He created all things. He spoke it into existence. He governs and rules all things. And He governed and ruled in the garden. It became His kingdom over which He ruled all things. He governed and ruled over Adam and Eve and gave them responsibilities. So God has abundantly manifested himself to us in creation and then as he walked in the garden with Adam and with Eve. And he demonstrated his authority and his sovereignty over all things. Because he has and did have authority over all things from the beginning, he required responsibilities from Adam and Eve that they must fulfill. He gave them assignments. Typically, when we think of Adam and Eve and God's commands to them, we we concentrate on one command. And we remember one in particular. You shall not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But did you realize how many things God required of Adam and Eve let's take a look they're given to us in scripture if you have a bible you can turn to the very first chapter of the bible Genesis chapter 1 and we'll go through and we'll look at some of the things that God required of his creation as the sovereign God he had, he had the authority and he had the right to expect things of them and we see there, listed in Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse number... Oh, where do we start? I think it's verse number 28. He just created man. Verse number 27, He created man. In His own image, it says, male and female created the them. Verse 28, and God blessed them and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. This particular verse gives us three things he told them to do. Reproduce. Have offspring. Have children. Have family. Be fruitful. Multiply. Multiply. God wanted Adam and Eve to have children and to have family we all know the joys of family don't we and the great joys that children bring to us and not just children but grandchildren and some instances perhaps great-grandchildren and maybe even great-great-great-grandchildren and all the joys that we experience as we gather together on special occasions and Birthdays and holidays and the joy of family. God wanted Adam and Eve to have that. And so he told them to reproduce, have children. And then he said to them, replenish the earth. That doesn't carry great meaning to us unless we understand the background of the word replenish. What it literally means is fill the earth. Don't stay in one spot. Don't just stay right here, but be fruitful, multiply, and spread throughout all the earth. Cover the whole earth. And then he said, subdue it. Rule over it. Govern it. Manage the creation that I have made and where I have placed you. Manage it. Rule over it. Subdue everything, you'll notice. The fish of the sea, the birds of the air, every creeping thing. We read a little farther in the chapter, beginning chapter 2, and we find some more direction from God to Adam and Eve of the responsibilities that he placed upon them in the garden. Chapter 2, starting in verse number 1, it says, "...the heavens and the earth were finished." and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished His work, which He had made, and He rested. And He rested. God wants His children to rest. Rest. Very simply, it means don't do any work. Now, I know that life does require certain levels of work, even on a Sabbath day or as we have come to uh, to celebrate it on Sunday we need to fulfill certain things but in essence what God was saying don't do your normal everyday job don't do your everyday occupation take this day off and rest because your body needs it not only does your body need the rest to recover and to recuperate but your mind needs the rest and furthermore, on this day, I want you to worship me. Remember me. Don't be so occupied and preoccupied with the events of life and, and your activities and your responsibilities that you forget me. One day a week, I want you to rest and remember me. This is the only day that God blessed. It says God blessed God wanted Adam and Eve to rest. One day. One day. We drop down further in chapter 2 and we find some more additional responsibilities that God gave to Adam and Eve in the garden. We come to verse number 15. It says, "And And Jehovah God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And Jehovah God commanded the man saying Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil Thou shalt not eat of it For in the day that thou eatest thereof Thou shalt surely die God said to Adam and Eve I want you to repair the garden Maintain it Till the soil Make sure that All of the plants have the proper nutrients to grow properly and healthy and strong. Take care of it. And then he said to them, keep it. That word describes resist intrusion from the outside. Resist enemies that might come and try to destroy and and overrule and overtake the garden and destroy it from God's original intent of design. And then he said, refrain. Refrain from that one tree. See that tree right in the middle of the garden? You can't miss it. You can't miss it. It's right there in the middle. Don't eat of that tree. Everything else is yours. Except that tree. Refrain from the fruit of that tree. Because in the day that you eat of it, you'll die. The literal translation of that phrase, you will die, means dying you will die. Dying you will die. The dying process will begin and you will die. There's one more requirement that God placed upon Adam and Eve in the garden. And that's down in verse number 24. God brought Adam and Eve together to be husband and wife. And he charged them to reproduce and to have children, to have family. And as part of that, he he instructed them in verse number 24 regarding the relationship of the husband and the wife. And he put it in this way, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. God instructed Adam and Eve to regard marriage. The sanctity of it. The exclusivity of that relationship of the one man to the one woman, his wife. And the wife to her husband. Did you keep count? Eight. God gave Adam and Eve... Eight responsibilities to fulfill in the Garden of Eden. Not just one. Many. And if we look at these responsibilities and we examine them a little bit, we can see that you can actually reduce them down to three roles. Adam and Eve could fulfill these responsibilities as priests. We already mentioned that God created the Garden of Eden and made it his temple, his residence, where he came to meet, to fellowship with with man, and they with him. And God wanted Adam and Eve to serve him as priests, encouraging others to worship him, to cause their offspring to seek after God and to worship and to follow him. He called upon them to be prophets. A prophet is someone who relays the message of God to other people. A prophet declares the will and the knowledge of God. A prophet is one who calls upon men and women to obey and to follow and to worship God. And then God assigned Adam specifically to be his Viceroy. His representative in the garden on earth to fulfill His kingdom rule and direction. He commanded Adam and Eve to go throughout all the earth to do it, to rule and govern over it, His kingdom. Prophet, priest, and king. How Adam and Eve must have reveled in the garden. Can you imagine it? Such beauty? Or well, we look at the beauty that we experience in our day and it marvels us when we observe the beauty of flowers and trees and animals. Imagine perfection, if you can. What we observe is fallen creation, not perfect. Garden was perfect. Perfect in every respect. They reveled and rejoiced in the righteous reign of God upon the earth. His kingdom, His temple, His creation. They enjoyed a right relationship with God. No sin, no guilt. They worshipped Him. They honored Him. They obeyed Him. They communed with Him. They walked with Him in harmony. No disunity. No disharmony. No guilt. Face to face. Not only did they have a right relationship with God, they had a right relationship with each other. Adam and Eve had a right relationship with each other. Again, no sin. No guilt. No dishonesty. No tyranny. No oppression. Cooperation. Coordination of effort. Leadership without domination. Cooperation without subjection right relationship with each other they had a right relationship with creation they subdued it they ruled and governed over it they managed it, they tilled it they walked freely with the animals there was no fear sin brought fear they didn't have they didn't have any fear from the animals and the animals had no fear of them They lived in right relationship with creation. And they lived in right relationship with their capacities. We read where it says God made man in his own image. Man had the ability to communicate speech. He had the ability to think and to reason and have emotions, enjoy beauty. He had all of those capacities functioning without error, without weakness, properly understanding God, properly knowing Him, pursuing after Him. One word describes it all. Paradise. Paradise. Why would you ever want to leave? paradise sadly they did for Adam and Eve rebelled against God and they disobeyed not just one of his commands but many of them they ate of the fruit of the tree after the temptation from the serpent And it says they ate of the fruit of the tree And their eyes were opened They realized immediately Their sin Immediately they became guilty Immediately they began to feud and fuss between each other They had disobeyed God They had rejected His rule and governance over them They departed from Him They set aside fellowship with Him to follow the temptation of a creature. They followed the creature rather than the Creator. They hid from God. They feared Him. Whereas in the past, they enjoyed His fellowship. They sought after Him. They walked with Him. They communed together. They enjoyed the beauty of God's creation in likeness with God. Now they had, They died. They died. Dying, you shall die, he had told them. And they began to die. They no longer had all of the pre-sin experiences that they enjoyed and in which they reveled That was gone They disregarded God's rule And governance over them They died They died And then as we read further on Through the explanation We see that God drove them Out of the garden Paradise lost He drove them out of the garden and he set sentinels, cherubim it says, at the entrance of the gate into the garden of Eden with flaming swords to keep the way to the tree of life. At first glance you might think God cruel because he did that, but that really displays God's mercy. Because he prevented them from eating of a fruit that would forever and eternally bind them into a life of sin. He protected the way to the tree of life. God had a plan. And he began to reveal his plan to them after he found them in the garden. Adam, where are you? He called. God knew where they were. He wasn't calling them to try and discover where they are like we might playing hide and seek as kids. No, he knew where to find them. And as he brought them together and the serpent was there as well, God gave them a promise. He gave them a promise. He said, there will come the seed of the woman who will crush the head of the serpent. You failed in your responsibility, Adam. I gave you the responsibility to guard the garden. And to rule and to govern over all of the creatures. And you failed. You failed to guard the garden. And you failed to subdue the serpent. But one will come. Who will obey me. Who will crush the head of the serpent. Who will defeat him. The seed of the woman. He made a promise to them of a champion. A savior. Who would come. Who would do what Adam and Eve failed to do? What conclusions can we draw from these brief truths that we've examined and reviewed this morning? God has a plan. I know we look and examine the disorder in our world and the confusion that exists The disputes and the arguments and the fights and the wars. And we sometimes wonder, does God really have a plan? Oh yes, He has a plan. He has a plan. And His plan He had revealed to Adam and Eve, but they set His plan aside to pursue their plan. God planned that His will, His presence, His glory would spread throughout all the world, that everyone would know that He was God. And He created man to do that. He created Adam and Eve to fulfill that purpose. They failed. God doesn't set aside His plan because of human failure. Just because we sin and because we disobey and because we fail to follow God does not mean that somehow inhibits God from fulfilling His plan and purpose. Oh no. The scriptures tell us that God will fulfill all of His plan and all of His purpose. God hasn't changed his plan and purpose for mankind nor for his creation. He plans for his presence to be manifest throughout all of the earth. Created man to fulfill that purpose. Adam and Eve failed. We have failed. But God has not failed. For he has sent that champion that he promised to Adam and Eve in the garden. He has sent that champion, his own son, Jesus, who did fulfill all of his requirements, all of his responsibilities. He failed in none. Jesus made this statement, and we can read it in John chapter 14, I believe it is. Where he said, I don't do anything except what I see the Father do. Complete, total obedience to the will, plan, and purpose of God. Even to the death on the cross. Even including his resurrection from the dead three days later. Even including his ascension up to the Father's right hand in glory many days later from where he now rules and reigns until his plan and purpose is complete a day will come called the consummation in which God will fulfill all of his plan and And purpose, and his glory and majesty will fill the earth. And it says, every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. He will then bring out his new city, his new kingdom. His new Garden of Eden, if you will. A new heaven and a new earth in which He will rule and reign as King, as prophet and priest, fully completing all of God's plan and purpose. What implications do these truths have upon you and me today? First, we must recognize God's plan. Recognize God for who He is, the reality of His existence, His sovereignty over all things, including you and including me. Including all of the wars and the disruptions that we see around the world and all of the terrible catastrophes that we observe and have experienced, God rules and governs over all of it. We need to recognize that. And remember the sovereignty of God. Secondly, we need to repent. Because we have not fulfilled His purpose for us. We need to come before God and confess to Him that we have failed. And where we have failed. And we need to turn from our repentance and believing trust in the provision that God has made for us to reclaim and restore and recreate His Garden of Eden. He has made provision for sinners like you and like me, whereby He can remake us back into that image that He designed in the Garden of Eden. That we might fulfill that plan and purpose that He designed for Adam and Eve for which they failed and for which we have failed. He can recreate in us that image and restore us back to fellowship with God, communion with Him, whereby we can on a day-to-day basis experience His presence and His glory in our lives. It calls for us to worship Him as God. The only God, the transcendent God, no one like him, the sovereign God, ruler over all things, holding our very breaths in his hands, the unique God, the only one, not the best of many, not the top dog of many gods, not a force. Not a spirit. Not a power. Not an uncaused cause, as the philosophers like to name him. No, God. A person. Sovereign. Unique. The only one. We need to worship him. Bow before him. Recognize him as sovereign Lord. We need to obey him. We need to obey His word. He's given us His word. Which we can read. And we can study. And we can grasp and understand His designs and desires for us. We need to obey Him. And we need to conform our lives to Him. Not Him to us. There are many of us today who try to recreate God in our image. And make God like unto us. Oh no. We must become like God. And He has sent His Son to make provision for us that we can become like Him. He defeated and crushed the serpent on the cross. He overcame Him in His resurrection. And the Lord Jesus promised to us that He would send... His Holy Spirit to come and live within us. And the work of the Spirit of God in us is to conform us unto the image of Christ, who is the visible image of the invisible God. Do you see the picture? Do you see the completeness of it, how it fits together? God wants to do that in your life. He wants to bring that to pass by the work of His Holy Spirit in your lives and in my life. I pray that you will hear His call. Heed His voice. And trust Christ, the Father's provision for sinners like you and me that will begin that restoration process in our lives to restore us and to recreate in us that image of God that we might then enjoy communion and fellowship with Him again. Let's close in prayer.